Do you have a talent that you wish you could turn into a career, such as being a musician, composer or actor? Perhaps you have an idea for a book or a screenplay that you've been planning to write. If you do, well, this series is most definitely for you. Welcome to Half Hour Mentor. My name is Ian Cleverdon and welcome to the second series designed to help students, early career professionals or indeed anyone who wishes to develop their personal and professional lives. This series will focus on various aspects of the creative arts. I'll be interviewing musicians, songwriters, authors and actors, but also speaking to some in the directing and strategic management fields of this wide-ranging industry. All of my guests have been carefully chosen as each one of them has an interesting backstory that we can all learn from. Whilst there will be obvious direct benefit for anyone who wishes to pursue or develop a career in these areas, the interviews will all be entertaining and of interest to a wider audience. Some really interesting aspects of the arts and entertainment industry will be shared by many of my guests. There will be 10 episodes in this series, each one released weekly on a Thursday. Make sure that you subscribe to the series wherever you get your pods so that you don't miss out. And please spread the word to anyone whom you feel will benefit from the series. My first guest is best-selling author, change management consultant and coach Simon Phillips. While Simon is an author, he's not directly involved in the creative arts industry. So why is he opening this series, you may ask? Well, I've known Simon for many years. I met him when I was a full-time business relationship manager in a well-known UK bank. And he was just starting out on his self-employment journey. We've stayed in touch over the last 20 years or so, and he's even commissioned me to write some music for one of his audio publications in the past. I met with Simon towards the end of Series 1 to talk about interviewing him for the podcast, and he took me through his excellent profiling tool, the GC Index, a link to which is in the show notes. This really allowed me to think about my strategy for the podcast series in more depth, and long story short, I decided that I'd focus Series 2 on one of my great passions, the creative arts industry. I'm a composer, songwriter and producer, but I also love theatre, films and reading. I've therefore decided it would be good to delve into how the creative process works in more depth with people who have been there, done it and are still doing it. So let's hear from Simon. I started by asking him the question I ask all of my guests. What was the first job he wanted to pursue as a child? I think I was potentially a little bit peculiar because I had aspirations of being a barrister when I was five. (laughs) <laughs> and I think it was when I look back, it was because I watched um, there was a series on the television called Crown Court and barristers wore these wigs and they were very dramatic and they were, uh, you know, getting people out of trouble. And, and I thought, oh, yeah, that would be fun. And then I got to my teenage years and realized that the pathway into law meant reading an awful lot of huge books and setting precedents. But the big thing that niggled me was the idea that you could be so invested in helping somebody get off uh, something that actually you thought they'd done <laughs> or even the other way around you were um you know you were helping to prosecute somebody that maybe you felt hadn't done it there was there, there was elements in that that didn't quite fit for me so um i think barrister stuck with me for a while but to be honest to be honest i just wanted to be a pop star i just wanted to be somebody who was on the telly not necessarily like a, a sort of a, a C-grade um, celebrity, but but somebody who was you know making an impact, because because my heroes growing up were always larger than life figures like Muhammad Ali and and Elvis Presley and people like that. So I think I I had aspirations 
um, in that area without having a clue, the first clue even, of how I was supposed to go about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, interesting um, you say that because that both of those professions, the barrister and the pop star, are having an impact on people uh, and and that's what you do now. So that aspect has is, is been fulfilled, if you like, in, in what you do. But we'll come on to the, the change side of things and the coaching in, in a little while. So what was the first real job you did on the back of that? Oh, my first real job. I was, I was a milk boy. Uh, and the, the, uh, the, the milkman used to come around and collect money every Friday. And I would, I would take the money to the door and engage in a quick conversation. And I thought, oh, that would be great to, to sort of go on the milk float and, and go around the, the streets of, of my hometown. And, uh, and, and I, I picked up an amazing skill in that first job, which was to remember names. So the way that we were able to deliver the milk was to, he knew um, what the names of everybody were and what their milk delivery was. And so in the process, I learned the names as well, because if somebody was on the doorstep, it was always better, I found, and what was I, about 12 or no, yeah, maybe. Um, it was always better if you could call them by their name, like Mr. Jones or, you know, um, Mrs. Morgan or whatever, it didn't really matter, but they liked it if you could say that rather than just, you know, thank you, sir, or whatever. And so I think I learned the importance of, of learning names there. And I think that was the origins of my real interest in, in what it takes to build a network and build relationships. Um, so yeah, that was my first proper job. So what happened from a career path then and study path? Did, was it university? Was it going into a role? What did you do? Yeah, so when I came out of university with a history degree, I thought, how can I use that skill set, which was all about research and, and writing and clarity around um, bits and pieces. And I thought, well, maybe still harping back to a little bit about the celebrity side, maybe I can get into television by becoming a researcher. Um, and unfortunately, I think they made something like 4,000 redundancies from independent television in the year that I graduated. So that didn't quite happen. So then it's like, okay, back to the drawing board. What else can I do? Um, and that was when I started just looking around, just general jobs. And a friend of mine said, Simon, you like people. There's this new part of um, business that a company I've just gone for an interview with are developing. And I think you'll be great for it. And I was like, okay, what's that then? He said, it's called change management. And the company was Anderson Consulting, and they were literally just getting it off the ground. And um, and I went in, had about four or five different interviews. It was very <laughs> in-depth, if you like. Um, but the very last interview was with the senior partner, and we were just chatting about my my the, my extended essays and bits interesting, um, very sort of social-focused things. So I was very interested in history and the in the in the stories about people who were making an impact and changing things so it was about apartheid in south africa it was about segregation and and those sorts of things and the the, the almost like the social movements was the parts of history that i enjoyed um so that was the yeah, that was the conversation and for whatever reason they decided to hire me so um so i got my start in as a management consultant not really knowing what management consultancy was other than this bit about change sounded good because it was about helping people deal with change in their lives and, that, and that's pretty much been the theme of what I've done ever since. 
That's interesting because change management is quite known um, in many organisations now. But at that stage, it was probably not a focus. You know, change was something that just happened and there was no um, theory or way of methodical way of going about it. No, you're absolutely right. Because when I started, change management was the bit that was done at the end. So you'd spent months and months designing and developing a new system, maybe. And and now all of a sudden, the people who are going to use that system need to be trained. And that was deemed to be what change management was all about at that stage. Just train people. Come on, tell them it's coming and train them and they'll be fine. Um, and I remember doing that for a massive retail bank. Um, it was a what they called a big bang um, delivery. So there was the whole new system was going to be rolled out across the country uh, within about four weeks. And we had to train everybody in advance or pretty much on time so that they could start using the system. And that was change management. But by the time I'd finished um, with Anderson's, which is um, eight and a half years later, it was the thing that happened first. Let's go and talk to people and see what they actually need, because we might save ourselves some money. We may not have to invest in this brand new system. We might actually be better off developing something a bit more bespoke or doing something that um, creates a real business impact. Because if you talk to the people who are doing the business, they're more likely to understand what's required. So that understanding evolved during my um period at Anderson's and I was just really you know hugely grateful to be part of that you know um, pioneering phase really for change management. Mm. So I mean after Anderson then I think you um, from what I understand is that you then went self-employed. Yeah. Is that right? So that's a huge leap to do. Tell tell me a little bit about that journey because I know quite a lot of listeners sometimes might be in that full-time role and think I want to pursue a particular thing whether it's in the arts or whether it's in business or you know consulting themselves. How did you go about that? There were two parts to it for me. One was what is it that I wanted to do and I couldn't do that inside Anderson Consulting and the other part was And how am I going to make some money so that I can keep doing the other thing? So the thing I had, my big idea, was actually a couple of internet ideas. Now, this is year 2000 when everything is E and everything is uh, internet. And um, so that was great. I had had two robust ideas. um, And then I thought, well, how am I going to make some money? I know about training. I know about um, communication. So... I'll look around and see if I can get some associate work or or do some things like that. So so that was the leap. And the second part was how am I going to make some money so that I can keep doing these things? And and so what I thought was, well, I know about training and I know about communication. Um, I wonder if there's anything in what I know that I could actually sell back into and and one of my first customers was Anderson Consulting, but I also um, got a, a big retail bank, and I also got um, an airline involved in the in the thinking. So I, I came up with a course called E Time Management, um, which was just you know how can we use these newfangled pocket held devices that um, to help us manage our time better. So it was a little bit of creative thinking but it was new and it, and I managed to catch a few people's attention but that wasn't my big idea that was literally just to try and help me fund my big idea which was going to take some time to to piece together so it was a big leap um but for me it was a leap that was driven by um a strong desire to do something that I felt 
there was a gap and an opportunity to do and a desire to do something um you, you know that would, would would make an impact on people's lives and then the other side of it was um i guess having a realistic understanding of my value in the marketplace and and what i mean by that is i quite often work with individuals who their estimate of what they can do is actually a complete underestimate of what they're capable of doing and so part of the early conversations i have with people is just to help them rediscover who they are and their skill set and their mindset and their value so that they can realistically assess what's possible because uh, um with that realistic expectation you can get out there and, and start to talk to people it's that's good to know and i think you know that that, that starting point is a lot of people are going to go through those two phases you've got the great idea but it's well how am i going to pay the bills and how am i going to mm. fund it but you did that it's it's pulled through and let's sort of move to what you're doing now really and perhaps the journey to on the way I'd, mm. I'd like to so you're known as the change man tell us a little bit about what you do now and then I'll, if i may i'll just ask you a few sort of you know what are the big challenges that you faced along the way and so on so yeah. tell us about what you're doing now so now um i've got a little bit of a portfolio of things that i do so but it's all around helping individuals teams and organizations not just cope with but thrive on change now <laughs> as we know the current environment there is so much change going on everywhere that they, they it can feel sometimes like there's there's not enough hours in the day to support the, the 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 community of people that I'd love to support um so i set up something called the change maker group a few years ago so we have more capacity with expertise around you know deep expertise on how to make change happen in organizations and developing change makers and then I also do work in that space of focusing on individuals and teams and how they can, um, you know, maximize their impact and, and, and contribute as, as much as they can to whatever's going on around them. And so that means I'm coaching people, I'm team building, I run online programs that are helping people with that point about confidence that I was talking to you about just now in my example. Um, so it's a, it's a nice little bundle. Um, quite a lot of it is online these days. And um, and then, uh, well, having said that, I've spent the last three weeks on the road. So there's been, <laughs> there's been quite a lot of face-to-face -face stuff just emerging with clients who now want to get back together and re renew some of those relationships that technology doesn't quite do justice to sometimes. And what type of clients are you working with? Yeah, that's that's a great question because it it can. My background, obviously, with Anderson Consulting meant big corporates, um, and you know I'm, I'm very happy in and around that um, area. I think for me that I, I have a, a strong values connection with with the NHS, and I love working in and around the NHS and I, I you know all parts of that whether it's GP practices that are merging and becoming um, primary care networks or whether it's hospitals that need to rethink how they're delivering services or even the management side of, of the NHS as well in terms of how do we start working better with um, you know our partners in care and and public health for example so so I'm, I'm, I'm all over those aspects but at the other end of the scale, I, you know, I'm having one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions with an individual who's maybe been a carer 
for the last 12 years an unpaid carer as well there's such an undervalued part of our society it's it's almost criminal um and they now want to get back out to work and so i'm i'm very happy to work with them and help them think that through and build their confidence to get out there so so yes it can be an individual or 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 a big corporate because they're all dealing fundamentally with the same thing is how do we thrive in the current environment let's stop looking too far in the future stop worrying about the past let's deal with what we can actually tangibly do something about which is right here and right now i'm just going to ask you that because if you look at say uh, individual carer as opposed to the management of a hospital um you know what came to mind and what are the similarities and difference uh, the differences from there um yeah. obviously a similarity is that it's just trying to focus on the now rather than too far ahead which to be fair i think would be very much something that is easier for an individual to do, but perhaps less so for a larger organisation where they might have a medium-term strategy and so on. What are the challenges that you think are faced in both of those extremes? Well, I've actually got a great example from this morning because I've had two conversations this morning. One was with an individual um, who's who's sort of piecing together a strategy about what, where they might, what, how they might want to put their working portfolio together. Having always been a lifelong employee, um, the lifelong bit disappeared recently, and it was like, ah, okay, now what do I do? So, been talking to them about strategically, what would they like? What would the, how do they, what's their vision for their own life? And then, how do they pull that through in terms of a strategy to the market, to the to the areas that they to work in, and then thinking about looking after themselves in that process or so a little bit of self-leadership if you like and then operationally what do I need to do by this time next week to know that I'm making some progress so that was that conversation and then I literally had another conversation with a um, an operational director for a large um, international company and we had a very similar conversation because they had a vision but they didn't have a strategy that, that was formulated that said and how are we going to pull this vision together over the next couple of years? So in their particular industry, as you said, there is a bit of a longer-term perspective sometimes, although that's shrinking. In fact, most organizations I'm working with now are not thinking more than about 18 months ahead because the impact of things like COVID and lockdowns and such volatile environments means that they are struggling to see much further than that. But anyway, back to the story. So what's the strategy? And then What's it going to take for us to lead that work, the workforce through to that point where they can deliver on that strategy? I mean, underneath that, operationally, what do we need to do to ensure that what we're doing today thrives, but also that we're starting to put the pieces together for the bits that we, how we'd like it to be in the future? So same sort of conversation, um, just different scale and and a different level of um, impact on the individual. So I think for the individual I was talking to, that was a huge impact because it's their life. Um, and for the director, it was a, a scaled input in terms of their, their business, but really it was just a, a, another piece that's gonna help them succeed. It's a piece to help them with their leadership, I suppose, in a way, isn't it? To and yeah. perhaps you know, if you've got a team underneath you, to be able to enable that team in a confident and comfortable way, or as comfortable Definitely. as possible. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
the Half Hour Mentor series, so we're, we're leading into series two here. The, the first, I'm really aiming it at young students, young career professionals and so on. What advice would you give perhaps, the, you know, I don't know, 16 to 30 year olds, if they're, going, if they're an undergraduate or they've just started the new role in terms of their approach to change and the things that you've come across? Interestingly, I think what I would say today is different to how I perceived the world when I was younger. Um, mm. So there was an element of when we were younger that you could look around at the jobs market and, and look for a career for life. Um, I understand that now most young people are potentially looking at seven careers over a lifetime, um, and which is, which is fascinating in, in itself. But I think that the, the strongest piece of advice I can, I can give someone really who's just sort of emerging and starting to explore what's possible is recognize that this is just a diagnostic exercise that they're in right now. They don't necessarily have to make decisions that are going to tie them down forever. Now, there are some exceptions. If you want to go into medicine, you have to study certain subjects and you have to go through a certain program of activity in your younger years to get to where you want to be. Outside of that, if the areas that you are interested in don't require you to specialize too much or for too long, then my best recommendation is, you know, between the ages of, of sort of 18 and 25, just try lots of things. Try lots of things just because you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and that is always way bigger than the sphere of things that we do know. So the things that we know about have either been part of our lived experience, you know, looking around at our family and looking at what jobs they did, or they are part of what our social circle, and in that I would include our school and our university, what the people around us know about. And that's great. But outside of that, you have a massive world of entrepreneurialism right now. You have a massive world of tech expansion right now. You have a massive world of global differences in running lives and and existing even on the planet. And it's like, how much of that would you like to explore? And if, if it's, you know, depending on the size of that, just go and do it, go and try different things. I did follow one story of a, a young um, woman who set herself a target of 50 jobs in a year. And it wasn't, you know, not full-time jobs or anything, but they were just little experiences because she had a wide range of interests and things that she'd like to explore. And so she went and just did all these little things and a theme started to evolve. And that's that's really what we're looking for. We're looking for the things that light us up, but almost like subconsciously, so that when we come back and review in six months' time, you know, some of the things that we've done, we're looking for the threads, the golden threads, if you like, that come through that and go, ah, oh, so the thing I love is people or the thing I love is playing with new technology. And and I think from that, we can then start to build a career path um, that people are going to enjoy. That's fascinating because it's you know, it's interesting. If you'd have followed your initial advice, then you'd probably be either a pop star or a milkman um, <laughs> from what you Absolutely. said. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but great thing to do. Yeah. The interesting point about, on average, that there's seven different jobs within a, a working life now, as mm. opposed to, as you say, you know, certainly, and, and I was the same, that, you know, you felt you had a job for life when you, you started off, whether that was from school or university. 
Series two of Half Hour Mentor will be focusing on the creative arts. So we'll be looking at um, you know musicians, we'll be looking at writers, we'll be looking at actors, theatre, and that sort of thing. Because um, in part of my research, I was finding people having to do other jobs, but really wanting to get into that creative field. What are the differences do you think for people who want to enter into creative arts rather than into business finance and so on? Quite often it's the nature of the work. You'll be familiar with the phrase of the gig economy. I'm reading um, a book by Matthew McConaughey at the moment called uh, Green Lights. I really recommend it to people. Actually, It's just a, such a different life and background and upbringing. And there's a phase in that where he's talking about the fact that he'd been in some big films and, and made an impact, made a breakthrough. And then there was a little phase where the roles that were coming through, he enjoyed them, gave it his all, but they weren't quite A-list type opportunities. And even for someone at the top of their of that specific artistic career, there was a concern that has it ended now? Or where is the next big opportunity coming from? And so, you know, and just kept pushing at it and, and working at it and, and came through that. And it feels to me like in the artistic space in particular, there is a, the common thread should be your enthusiasm and it should be your desire to want to practice or or do things or just get out there and and, and live your art, if you like, on a day-to-day -day basis, regardless of being paid for it. Now, I'm not suggesting by that that we should all become unpaid artists, um, but there is, if you look at the the, the success stories um, in, in the artistic spheres, they are 100% enthusiasts first. And you, they can't switch off their artistic endeavors just because they're not getting paid today. They, there is an itch to practice the guitar or to, to, you know, to sing or to, to dance or to, uh, you know, whatever part of the artistic world that they are focused on, that they should feel like that that's who they are almost. Um, and it's why they exist. It's why they breathe. It's why they are here to provide this sort of unique contribution to the world. And I think that if people can focus in on that first, then they will find the opportunities that open up for them to practice their art. Um, if they, if the challenge with being too balanced and too pragmatic and thinking, you know, I, I need to have a job that's going to do X, Y, and Z for me, as we all know, jobs where you're being paid and your employer needs you to do things, they're expecting the same level of enthusiasm for their role that you would be putting into something that you were doing for yourself. And so what what I found with a number of people who've been sort of overtly balanced is that the work role, because it's getting paid and there's an expectation, that starts to eat into the time and their energy that they could have available for them on the art side. So it's like, absolutely, make some money to keep you going but think of that money as project funding, seed funding, as opposed to that's my life, and then make the thing that you really love doing your life. So I'll give you a really good close to home example, Ian. My son is he's one of those lovely, gifted, multi-talented people, um, and, and that's fab, but when he went off to university, his 
first thought was, okay, you know, I'd like to um, succeed in life and I'd like to have have a good income at some stage. Um, maybe I need to look at business. Maybe I look, need to look at a you know, solid recognized degree like like history and and those sorts of things while I'm having fun on the sports side of things because he's a he's a thrower he throws an athlete that throws things around a field um and uh and I said to him I challenged him I said why are you not doing music now the reason I said that was because the last time I saw him perform it was at a school thing where they at A levels they had to all each do a little recital and the other students that were in the uh, exam, if you like, they sort of came up very timidly onto the stage and they were looking at their music. You could see they were nervous, obviously, um, and and they did great performances. When it came to Adam, he almost bounded onto the stage. He lit the place up because he was so enthusiastic and he was excited to be there and present, you know, doing this song for people. And I said, you light up, Adam, when you're doing that. Music itself is quite a tough degree, actually. So don't worry about people thinking it's not a, a solid degree. People will take you on in virtually any um, uh, commercial activity if you've got a good degree and you've shown that you've focused and you've and, and you've given your all to what you're doing today. And I think that's the key. Um, and uh, so now, now he's doing music degree, loving composing and singing and all that sort of good stuff. And is, you know, is loving every day. And I'm sh absolutely sure he wouldn't have been loving every day if he'd gone down <laughs> some of those other subjects. That's all just prompted uh, a thought from, if I'm going back to, to series one, and one of my guests, Paul McGee, he may know, the mm. sumo guy, uh, episode yeah. 10 it was. He mentioned the thing about that for often people see the glory and not the story. And so, you know, that if there are an overnight success, but I think in his case, he, I think he said it took him about 30 years to become an overnight success. But, you know, you see, you don't see the work that goes in to lead into that. And from what you've just explained, that is sort of, that's really sums it up, you know, I think. But lots of really good advice there, Simon. Mm. I've got one final question for you. Uh, I ask all my guests this, and that's knowing what you know now, with all that experience you've had, what one piece of advice would you give that younger self of you? Mm. I think be curious. I think that's what I would... Uh, I am naturally curious anyway, but I think I would have been even more curious knowing what I know now. And that would have led me down paths. And, and, and not worry so much every successful story has started somewhere with a big risk, but it's only how you view it at the time. The, is it really a big risk in the bigger scheme of things, in the in your whole life story? It probably isn't. It can feel like it, but if you actually just analyze it and think, okay, so what's the worst case scenario here? And let's say you're switching jobs and you've got a nice nice income at the moment or your first job pays well, and but it's not quite what you love doing. The risk is you lose that bit of money. But if you accept that, then, then you can immediately switch your mind to, so how am I going to do it then? And we are all naturally resourceful and we have an amazing community of people around us that will always be there to help and support us. So just you know, have a realistic understanding of what the risk really is. The risk usually is the risk of doing nothing and just sticking to what you're doing. So I think that's what I would advise my younger self.
That's fabulous. It really is. Simon, thanks ever so much for your wisdom and all the advice that you've given there. Where can people find out more about you? Best place to start is simonphillips.co.uk and um, you'll find my my socials on there. So it'd be lovely to catch up with you. Um, but take a risk and, and get in touch. You know, it can seem sometimes you go to a website, it's like, well, I don't know this person. I'm, I'm very easy to talk to. So if there's anything I can do to help, then um, then just get in touch. Simon has had and continues to have a fascinating and successful career. Although his work isn't directly in the arts industry, despite wanting to be a pop star in his early years, his leap of faith into self-employment is one that resonates with many who wish to pursue the career of their dreams. I also found his insight into the current view that someone entering into work now could on average have seven jobs in their working life. Could that apply to you? I'm reminded of the advice Tim Williams gave in episode one of the first series, though, when he said you should only consider changing jobs when you're having a good day, not a bad day. You can hear more about the context of this by listening to Tim's episode. I can highly recommend Simon's latest book and audiobook, Dynamic Time Management, and a link to it can be found in the show notes. Thanks to Simon for sharing his experience and advice with us. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the series wherever you get your pods and review the back catalogue. You can leave feedback about the episode through social media by searching for Half Hour Mentor or via the email link in the show notes. I'd love to know what you think of these episodes and I'm always open to constructive feedback. Thanks for joining us and until next time, bye for now. Mm